Hi, this is Alicia Gillarducci. And Sebastian Mueller from The Butcher. Hey, this is Tony Latera, Director of Food and Beverage and Executive Chef of Local for All. And you're listening to Two Sharp Chefs. What's up, chefs, hospitality family, foodies? You're listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. I'm Lorraine Moss, chef and journalist. And I'm Louie Victa, chef and professional food photographer. Thanks for joining us. We started this podcast in June 2019 to honor Anthony Bourdain, a fellow chef who gave us all a better understanding of different cultures and people through his daring food adventures. We're here to expand the dialogue. We're two chefs cooking up raw, honest conversations about chef life, food, and the hospitality industry. So come on in. You can sit with us. I heart New York, Louie. Uh, yeah. We're going to have to love New York today because we've got a Brooklyn dude with us today, like true New York Brooklyn dude, Vincent Rotolo. Um, of course, of Good Pie. Come on. Uh, good Pie. He makes the good, good pizza. Really good. Uh, yeah, and um, grandma-style pizza, which we'll talk a little bit more about, mm-hmm. um, because we have a true New Yorker with us, um, who literally has a New York manhole, like, in his new restaurant, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, we're talking our favorite New York eats, and, like, what we really miss, because it's been so long since I've been to New York, um, you know, pandemic and all. And so um, I'll start in pandemic provisions right now with the fabulous big gay ice cream, um, which is not only fabulous because of the title of the restaurant and the fact that their logo is a unicorn licking an ice cream cone. Um, I actually went there the first time when I cooked at the James Beard house. And so there's also fond memories associated with that whole feeling of being in New York City for that. Uh, But my favorite cone there, which I had three times in one week. (laughs) Three times in a week, eh? Yeah, it was beautiful and fun, but it was also stressful to work at the James Beard house because it was every day with a new chef. And, you know, I was just like, oh my God, like I'm working with such and such. Oh my God, I'm in the James Beard house. I was freaking out. So I let myself have a treat three times that week. It is called the American Globs. G-L-O-V-S. Globs. Yes, it's a vanilla ice cream, soft serve. And that's what they're famous for is the soft serve. So it reminds you of your childhood. Uh, It's rolled in dark pretzels and then in salty chocolate. So it's like chocolate salty balls in an ice cream cone. Oh, Um, (laughs) super delicious. Um, They started in 2009 as an ice cream truck and it got so popular that of course they opened the brick and mortar. I love New York for its Chinatown. The Chinatown there is unlike any other. And you know that, and this is uh, where you find the most awesomest Chinese food. And I'm going to talk about steamed buns, pork buns, or also known in Filipino as shopao. Okay. Okay, the best shopao I've ever had was like this size. And this is pretty big. It's like the regular shopao is like this size. Mm Mm-hmm regular steam bun. They're this size and they have a whole egg in the middle and it's from Mei Li Wa. So that would be my must not miss when you're in New York City. Because I, I usually get like maybe a dozen of these just to bring home. You can definitely get New York and a lot of places in Las Vegas nowadays. Um, definitely a heavy dose at Good Pie on Main Street downtown. Let's talk to Vince. 
Louie, we've got Vincent Rotolo or Rotolo oh. <laughs> from Goodbye today here on Two Sharp yeah. Chefs. Of course, he's got a Brooklyn style pizza shop on Main Street in downtown known for its grandma style pizza, which, of course, we will talk about. Thanks. For How cool is us. that? Yes. So Thanks happy to be us. here. I've been stalking you guys. Ooh. You know, I went on a trip to Utah to see my buddy John Courtney with um, with the lovely Mariana from Mas Azul. And the whole way up to Utah, we listened to your entire podcast. <laughs> oh, and, and then we heard it again. So we listened to every show like twice <laughs> and we loved it. You guys are amazing. It's the best road driving podcast ever for foodies going on like a foodie adventure. Yay. Yeah, wow, that's a huge that. compliment coming from Ready you and Miss Mariana. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we're going to start from the beginning because I literally just found out that you lived a stone's throw from John's on Bleecker growing up, which is so fucking mm. crazy to me. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so do you think that that's why it's meant to be? that you're a pizzaiolo? I mean, how could you not be at that point? I think it's part of it. You know, my my father actually grew up in um, a tenement building apartment, right? Like a lot of Italian immigrants on Bleecker Street, above John's Pizzeria. You know, John's opened in 1929 by a man named John Sasso. And, you know, it's kind of like a birthright in my family to like that you work there. Everybody, you know, my aunt and my dad's aunt and my brother, you know, when you're in, when you hit like 13 and you're a Rotolo, it's like, go work at John's and like, figure out your, 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 your spending money. <laughs> you're cut off of allowance and you go with John's pizza and you, you, you try to find a job. Yeah. You find so your way. I, I started working there in 1985 and um, it's been a pizza love affair ever since. That's just amazing to me. Um, so for people that don't know, which are, I'm sure a lot of people out there, especially not in the business. What is a grandma style pizza Mm -hmm. and why is it, it's a highlight obviously for you. So why is it so important to you? Well, the first thing is the grandma pizza is a thinner square um, that proves for a short period of time in a pan. And it was kind of, you know, a thing where in the thirties and forties, grandmothers were going on in Italian American neighborhoods and they would they would do their shopping for the weekend and the dinners, you know, you know, an Italian Nona or even any Nona really will, will try to plan that Sunday dinner on like a Wednesday and they'll go out to the vegetable stand and the produce and, you know, the meat market and all the different, there were no supermarkets back then. You went to five different shops In my family, we called it the great acquisition to go out <laughs> and get these ingredients and you look forward to seeing the baker and the bread, you know, the bakery, and you look forward to seeing. So along that, you know, along that kind of, uh, you're on this, on this mission and making all these pit stops, you, you find the way to the neighborhood pizzeria, you get the dough for like a nickel, you bring the dough home. And, and the first grandma pizzas were actually made on cookie sheets. Mm. Every, every grandmother back then had a cookie sheet. And then decades went by, right? Started in the 30s. Now you're into the 60s and 70s. And a whole generation of Italian-Americans grew up on this food in neighborhoods around the tri-state area, right? Like New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and in the boroughs, you know, in, in the suburbs around, around Pittsburgh, right? Around Philly, in New Jersey, you know, everywhere that there was Italian neighborhoods, there were grandma pizzas, but they were not a mainstream item because they were special 
this thing that grandmothers made. And then the pizzerias in 1982, King Umberto on in Elmont, Long Island, they started selling the grandma pizza. Ah. And then the grandma pizza became a thing that only the really uh, neighborhood pizzerias would feature. And, you know, it's still today, not even a mainstream pizza product, but it's becoming more and more popular as the square pizza trend is exploded onto the country. Yeah. Um, I can see your grandma wall behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. What we'd like to know is how does one get a grandma on that pizza wall? What are the qualifications? So you just have to like, um, know me or be a customer or be a friend or be someone who's inspired. Like this is a mixture of all different grandmas. We have mythical and, you know, um, grandmas, we have fake grandmas that were in like characters (laughs) in movies. You know, we have Larry Johnson from UNLV, right. Who's a historic, like UNLV legend. He's dressed as the grandma ma character. And that's my tribute to like, you know, I grew up in New York city in the late eighties and that was a movie like Spike Lee do the right thing came out. And, you know, that's my brother on the wall. Like, we're, that means that that Larry Johnson picture of an African-American man on my wall is, is symbolic to me as a person who kind of just grew up through that, you know, through caught in the middle of that interracial struggle at that time. And the struggle's still still going on today. So, you know, that that the, the, wall, the wall represents many things to different people. Um, but more importantly, it's it's honoring, you know, tradition and looking at these the history of the women on that wall and and whatever hard times we have, you know, whether it's a pandemic or just a difficult day or a busy weekend, like none of our challenges are anything compared to like what they went through to give us, you know, some, a better future. That's awesome. Since we're on the topic of tradition, I'm going to ask you about Johnny be good. Um, Before I do that, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's a pizza that you can get a good pie. It has sausage, fresh garlic, roasted mushrooms, and caramelized onions. And of course, it's a tribute to our pizza godfather. When I say our, I mean like all of us, <laughs> everyone that likes pizza, um, yeah. John Arena. Um, what has his mentorship and his friendship, you know, meant to you? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's so funny. I, I, just, I just talked to John, you know, this morning. And um, we, we talk often. And uh, I've had mentors through my life, but I'm that guy who like someone I admired and I'd be like, hey, um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to open a restaurant. And there were people in my life that I looked up to and to admired and and, and needed that like pat on the back. And they were the type of motivator that they'd be like, well, you can't do that, kid. You're not going to make it. And that motivated me to prove them wrong. But John was on the opposite end of the spectrum. He he told me something actually today that I like, it kind of, it hit home. And I'm like, wow, that's a true story. Like mm-hmm. he said, Vincent, I knew what you wanted to be. And I treated you like that before you got there. I treated you like you were living your goal. And then it became more real. You know what I mean? And that's, that's a different type of mentorship. That's a confidence based approach. That's, that's a, just um, a really like encouraging like you can do this, you got this mentorship, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the world needs more of that. You know, like, yeah, I'm grateful to those people that I had to prove wrong because they doubted me, but not everybody has that kind of fight in them. 
-hmm. you know, some, sometimes, you know, and I don't have that kind of fight in me a hundred percent of the time, you know, and sometimes you just need someone to say, you got this, go get it. And, and that, that's who that guy is. Yeah. That's very true. I mean, I've been hanging out with John and Chris and there's not a, a, like a wisdom full word that comes out of his mouth. Like everything that he says, like always hits home. Yeah. That's, I mean, Louie and I have also benefited a lot from having these amazing mentors that are also like actual living legends. And what has that been like for you? Because he's not a normal mentor and not that you know, every mentor is important in different ways. Your mom could be a mentor. Your grandma could be a mentor. But I mean, what is it like for you to have a mentor that's truly a legend who's known in Italy? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he goes, he's, he goes way back. And I he's, think, you know, he's so humble, though, you know, yes, and, yes. and I'm, I'm not by I'm not a humble guy, man. I grew up in a kind of a rough neighborhood in, in Brooklyn. And if you were humble, you just got taken advantage of and you just kind of got eaten alive out there. So you had to have a chip on your shoulder. I'm trying to be a nicer guy, but I still, (laughs) I have that chip, you know, sometimes it's a whole bag of chips. Like I just have a lot to prove. And, you know, I think that um, having a guy like that around who's really modest and is, has done it all, seen it all been there, you know, for decades, you know, when you look at the, the, the type of person that Chris is, being around that guy for, you know, two and over almost three decades now, it's like, I don't really have a lot to prove. You know what I mean? I, I could still be, you know, um, calmer. I don't have to be a loud mouth New Yorker all the time. You know, when I, I could look at the things that are super important and um, not so much what one person's opinion is that doesn't even know me. Right. I, I'm, I've developed a, a thick skin over, over time, you know, kind of, rising up through this industry. And, um, you know, I think that it doesn't have to be, you know, either, or like you, you could still have, I'm my own worst like critic, so to speak. Like, and if I'm happy with my work, I don't have to prove something to someone. And and I'm getting to a point where I'm, I'm almost there. You know what I mean? And, um, and John kind of has just given me permission to enjoy the, the whole process. Mm-hmm. You know, cause I've been grinding so hard for so long. Like how much is enough? Like how much, right. when do you stop? Like I already overachieved, right. Just by opening this spot, but I still just, I'm, I'm so driven that I just want to stop and smell the roses and just enjoy that next batch of dough that I'm making and just feel it and, and understand that I don't have to keep pushing and fighting that I could just, ease into it and everything's still going to kind of come out. All right. Yeah. It's good for your mental health, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's that. a calming approach. Like I'm, I'm a city guy, man. I, I, yeah. I, I love being in the arts district so much because you know, there's parallel parking and homeless people. Like if I don't have that, I'll go nuts. <laughs> you know what you I got mean? that little bit of New York there. I need that little sure. bit, that one or two block radius that just keeps me sane. Mm-hmm. I follow you also on Instagram. I stalk you. Um, And I know too that you and I have had this conversation actually before about collaboration over competition. Um, And is that why, number one, that you have a pizza alliance here in Vegas? And also how, you know, how important is is it for you to be a supporter of fellow pizzaiolos, of fellow chefs here? Because I, I see it. I see it all the time with you. You know, I, I, um, 
I owe a lot, you know, to a lot of people. You don't get to a level of success in, in this business, you know, alone. And the community here um, has embraced me, has supported me, you know, has, has just given me every, every advantage and everything that I kind of needed to, to, to push through those hard days. You know, guys like Gio Moro, you know, from, from Monzu, you know, even, you know, John Courtney, who's not even in Vegas anymore, still helps me, not just the pizza community and John and Chris, but the whole culinary, Brian Howard and Gary Lamore, you know, Joe, Jolie Menina, all these, all these people here, Justin Kingsley Hall right next door. Like this Jared business too. is hard. Yeah. You know, this business is hard. And I always tell my team, you know, it's only one number on a clock. And in order for that to turn around, you got to hit all 12, you know, and there's a lot of different things that you have to do well and good food, good location, the right service, the right feel, the right story, the branding, the marketing, like there's so many different things. It's easy to get caught up. I could go on and on the vendor relations and what products you're buying from who and where and when and why and how much like this business is a whirlwind. It's a tornado. It's, it's tough, you know, and it took me three and a half decades to get here, but I want to have that collaborative spirit and that generosity of knowledge because the next generation has an opportunity to get there easier than we did. If they just listen, if they accept the knowledge that we're passing forward. And it sounds like a cliche because I'm a father and I'm, I'm, and last year I became a grandfather and I advise my son and my advisors advise me. And the truth is a lot of times you want to, reject advice and I need to find my own path. But the advice is coming from a place of, we just don't want you to make the same mistakes that we did. And I look at that as our training program in our restaurant. Like I'm hiring right now, I'm recruiting heavily and my team is being poached like as we speak. And it's okay because I know that the best team we have are the people we haven't hired yet. Because the crew that we had that had to open, we had to figure things out on our own. Like no one taught us what this room was. But the next wave of good pie team members, we're going to all go over, go out of our way to teach them what we already learned. And they'll be better for it. And that's the spirit of the Las Vegas pizza community, the culinary community. And that's the culture that we want to have in our restaurant. Yeah. Very true. 100 percent true listen to that all those guys Mm -hmm. that are listening um we have a lot of culinary school people that listen and new cooks you don't have to pave your own road go over to good pie listen to him right (laughs) you don't have to to literally guy we're in the desert right the road's paved right you gotta kind of walk down that path and yes there'll be forks and you're gonna have to make choices but the roads are already they're there just go down that road and keep going now You might reach an end of the road and then you'll have to build it new. That's, but get there faster. Yeah. If you start paving from the beginning, there's no forward movement, right? Yeah. True. Get to the end of the road and push it forward. You're that's the way, that's when you want to break out your pavement. You're sounding more and more like John Arena every day. And I love right. that. <laughs> I, I might've stole that from him, but I don't think I did. <laughs> Dude, the man is just like full of that. That could have All been. day long, every day. I don't know. <laughs> so then, many quotes yeah. that might be his. <laughs> right? Yeah, we all do it. Um, so we have not talked enough about pizza yet. So where do you get your pizza ideas, your pie mm-hmm. ideas? Um, I literally just opened Instagram yesterday and saw like a chicken parm 
stuffed pizza. Whoa. <laughs> I, was like, I was like this, like mind blown emoji. So where are you getting this stuff? Like are you talking to other chefs? Do you dream about it? Do you wake up one morning and like, you know, have it on a notepad? Like what's the deal? So let me just start by saying I'm a front of house guy. And I became a pizza maker, maybe six, I don't know, somewhere between five and seven years ago. And I'm young and I'm new as a pizza maker. And I believe when you're where you are and you're new at it, you know, I'm a seasoned restaurateur, but as a, as a cook, as a pizza maker, I'm a beginner. And I want to be rooted in the classics. So we don't do a lot of creative stuff. Decker's been doing the classics for 20 plus years and his creativity is off the charts, but he's earned the right to kind of get there. He's got a solid foundation in the classics. I'm still building that. Right. Mm -hmm. But the, you know, the chicken parm Detroit, like we've done some mashups and most of them have not been great, you know, <laughs> but the chicken parm, like we don't really run them on the menu for that long. Cause then I get, I get tired of it. Like it's not, you know, the cheese, the pepperoni, the meats, the veg, the white, the shroom, like our whole culture is rooted in that. And then we do multiple different styles of that. And we tell those stories of the styles evolving. But the truth is, is that the chicken parm Detroit was a mistake. We were putting chicken parm, like we were trying to make a sandwich, which are the sandwiches we've already taken off the menu. <laughs> but the chicken parm Detroit was like, we have this Detroit crust. So I'm like, well, what if we use that and to make sandwiches? Cause we have it. So I cut it in half and I put chicken and cheese and sauce in there and I put the top back on. And then I went inside to go find some other, I wanted garlic oil. And then the, one of the cooks was there and he saw that Detroit in the pan and thought, Oh, we got to bake this off. Cause it was a ticket. So he just topped it and threw it in the oven. <laughs> and then, mm. and then we're like, Oh, you didn't realize there was a whole chicken parm inside that. And he was like, no, you know, we just put, you know, I thought, I thought it was this ticket. So it came out and then we ate it for family meal. It was delicious. They were like, ah, uh, well, we might, we might be onto something. So we made it two more times and then it was on the menu. And, you know, in the last month, it's been one of the best sellers. So as long as something's selling and we're proud of it and it, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do gimmicks, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and the world of over the top Instagrammy TikTok stuff, like that's out there. And, you know, we want to find our, our voice in that but it has to taste good and yeah. we got to be proud to serve it first like i'm not gonna, i'm never going to be an instagram food guy but yes i want more followers but on my own terms like listen we're artists and we're artists first we're in the arts district for a reason we're culinary artists and this is my art and it's mine until i agree to sell it to you i'm not going to make what you want customer sorry i'm going to make what i think is delicious and if you buy it, you'll buy it. And if you don't, you don't. And that's not debatable. A year from now, I might be different. That's, but that's where I'm at today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was a happy accident. Yeah. Wasn't it, right? It was, right? But in a month from now, I might not be on the menu. One day I may look at it and be like, that's too gimmicky. And I don't want to be that. And I don't, you know, or maybe not. Or maybe I'll just be like, wow, this is still good. It still tells a story. It's still part of our our brand and who we are and it's chicken parm in a pizza and it's cool. Or I might just wake up one day and be like, I'm not yeah. doing that. Right. I'm tired of it. Dang, you know, we I gotta don't get know. down there. We gotta get down. Right now. I gotta, right. You know, it feels, you know, I, I'm get a, it while I'm it's a, hot. 
I have to be emotionally connected to what I'm going on today. You know, and if I'm not that, then I'll, I, you know, I, I need, I need therapy. I need help. This is it. True. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you what I'm emotionally connected to um, at your place is I love the fact that you're not stingy when it comes to sauce. Um, I just think mm-hmm. like, and I, and I know that some people are like, oh, you shouldn't put so much sauce on it. Like you got to taste the bread, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I fucking love sauce. And so when like Vincent tells me that the pizza has triple sauce, I'm like, wait, what? Like, it's yeah. just- oh, the upside down grandma. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, but I love sauce on top of like the sauce, the sauce and the cheese, and then the sauce. How you? Do there's that. a movement. Yeah, there's a sauce on top movement. Keep that movement going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because a great, it's a great thing. I love it. I, I'm just so into it. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and move on to show and tell. Um, Mr. Roto Low, <laughs> um, did you bring something for us for show and tell to show us? I, I kind of did. It's more like I'm gonna bring you to something. Okay, Sounds let's do. Let's go. Bring us there. All right, let's go there. Um, go there. Let's Please. go. First of all, we have um, we're closed. We're doing a private event tonight, so we're getting we're getting ah. ready for that. But then over here we have Brooklyn, the, the pizza eating pit bull. Say what's up, Brooklyn. Ah! Holler. But that's let's not go. that's not show and tell. Ah. So it's Monday. <laughs> it's Monday here, and we're trying to figure out our. Um, you know, we had a busy weekend. And so the best thing that I could show you that is a huge part of what we do is is our, our dough room and yeah. and, and our mixer. And I have a batch, I have a batch in there right now that I made about an hour ago. Mm. And so we're gonna slide into this. So as you can see here, we have a little pocket door oh, and then we go smart. inside, right? And that's all of our tins. And so this is our, this is our dough batch right here. Woo! We see the, the mixer. Sexy. See that? So right now this dough has been resting a little bit. And I have and that's why you have it, yeah, the plastic, right? So it doesn't yeah. rest. Well, we're trying to do that to just, it's sticking a little, but that, that comes off. And so what this room is, this, I learned a lot of this from Marina, of course. Um, we have a water meter here on the wall. We have two different temperatures of water going in. Mm. And then what's gonna happen now is I'm doing the final step. This is an Empire mixer. It's 170 quarts. We can do- Holy shit. We can do 450 pound bags of dough in here. And just, um, right now we can see how that thing kind of just, it just makes that. Can you guys see that? Yeah. yeah. Really slow, really slow, right? Yeah, you know, it's just kind of kneading this thing back mm-hmm. and then now we'll go in there and we'll do a little test of the dough. This dough, uh, today's Monday, so we're not gonna serve this until Wednesday. And look, you just kind of pull on it and you can see the strength it has before it starts to break and tear. And right, beautiful. This thing is like, so it'll, it'll sit here, uh, what's called a bench rest for another like 45 minutes. And we have the temperature control in the room up here. Humidity, uh-huh. temperature. There's a window here where the customers can come by and see what's going on. Oh. And then we have all these tins. These tins give us the ability to slow down or speed up our ferment uh-huh. because metal holds more extreme temperatures than plastic, right? 
Yeah. Uh-huh. And each one of those tins, the dough is fermenting in its own microclimate within that chamber. And it's different than if you had six of them or eight of them or 10 of them in one big plastic. In one box. big thing, yeah. And it's just wow. a different process, you know? So those are just some of the little things. And then this guy here, this guy here's our roller. We cut the dough and then we throw it in and then it mixes, it, it rolls the dough for us and spits it out on here. Oh. So in about a ball. five minutes, in a ball, it rolls the balls for us. Nice. Wow. Like, and it just makes it more consistent. Yeah, right. for sure. Because over, after you're rolling for an hour, like your hands might get tired and yeah. the level of pressure you're applying that first hour or in the second hour of hand rolling, it mm-hmm. changes. And so we want each dough ball to be the same. Yeah, for sure. Pressure wise. And it's also, right. it's a labor saver. And uh, my team yeah. really asked, they, they were like, dude, can you help us? We got a lot of dough to roll. So we got that. So this is the, the dough room. And this is where every pizza starts, right? This is the this is the beginning of our pizza life. And um, before we opened, I brought in yeast strands and starter culture. And I had this room kind of getting into the yeast in the air here for three months before we ever even opened this, this restaurant. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. whole rest of this place around us was a construction site, yeah. but this thing was like sealed off and like, we brought in dough, uh, old dough from the other other location, and we brought it in here, and we let that stuff fill the room almost like a like a mother sauce. All right, we are going to do on the fly with good pies, Brooklyn native. Yeah. It's sixty seconds, rapid fire questions. Say the first thing that comes to your mind, please, <laughs> Vincent Patolo. <laughs> All right, well, okay. All right, Louis, put a New York minute on the clock. New York minute coming up and go. Best Brooklyn spot. Best Brooklyn spot in Brooklyn? Mm-hmm. Under the bridge. Under the Brooklyn Bridge. Ooh-hoo. Under the bridge. Favorite donut? Uh, Peter. Peter Pan in uh, Greenpoint. Mm. Best passed down family recipe? Uh, meatballs. Bucket list spot to travel and eat? Somewhere in Paris. Best thing about pit bulls? They love fearlessly with so much loyalty and they're the best dogs ever. Your pizza making soundtrack. Uh, Biggie Smalls. <laughs> First thing you'll do when the pandemic is over. Travel. Where are you gonna go first, you think? San Francisco. Yeah, Ooh, my choice. hometown, my hometown. Right. I'm gonna um, go to Tony's uh, Pizza Napolitana in North Beach. North Beach, nice. right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Totally. I gotta go. I've never been there. I have to go. Yeah. Your must-have pizza topping. Pepperoni. Favorite dish to cook. Chicken farm. And last thing, Vincent Rotolo. One blackmailable fact about you. Blackmailable fact? Yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, I can't reveal that. I'm not telling you that. Everybody has them. Yeah, but I. So- um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, it no. could be as innocent as like I love bubble baths, you know. Yeah. So how about like an innocent thing, like something that maybe people wouldn't know about you? I'm really, really, really great with kids. I love children. Oh, see, that's oh. good. It's not blackmailable, but it is something that's like right? cool, and we didn't know. I wouldn't think that about me, but I love little people. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Yeah. They're I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. Last thing. 
Vincent, let's go ahead and sell it for good pie. What do you want people to know? It's your time. Good pie is the place uh, I always dream to open. And it's the food that, you know, I always wanted to eat. It's a place that is culturally diverse and celebrates the future, the past, and the present. November 6th, 2021, the Vegas Pizza Fest will be back. Ooh. Heard it here first. We're still in the planning stages, but we're, we're very close to uh, securing the confirmation. And uh, one way or another, you know, we plan on making that happen. So November 6th, mark your calendars, pizza lovers in Vegas, and you'll see all the A-list and B-list and C-list and the whole entire list <laughs> of the Vegas pizza scene uh, will be there. So um, there's, a, there's a little teaser for you guys. Dang. Yeah, yeah that's out, a lot of cheese and carbs. Yeah, I know, right? Watch out, world. You heard it here baby. first. All right. Yeah, for anyone else, you heard it Yay. here. Yay. Thank you so much. Go over to Good Pie. Um, it's amazing. And go say hello to Vince. Thank you, guys. And please Thank you. bring grandma pictures. You'll be up there. Yay. Yay. Let's put grandma's on the wall. Abuelas. Yay. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. If you like what you've heard, please like, share, and subscribe. We stream new episodes every other Monday. We love hearing from everybody, so please get social with us on Instagram at Two Sharp Chefs, on Facebook at Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Plus, check out my cooking blog at FromChefWithLove.com and Louie's amazing photography at LouieVicta.com. It's been a pleasure. We're 86 till next time.